being, which is metta, the recognition of it, the apprehension of it, and the sustaining of it, well-being to oneself and to others, and karuna, which is the compassion, or that which seeks to remove pain, suffering from oneself and from others. These these things can be seen as obviously very much related to each other, but in the way of the Buddha, the, the kind of particular sharpness and clarity, you see them as two, two aspects of something that's uh, it's tendency is one. But, uh, in the way of <coughs> engendering them uh, is, of course, dependent upon what they're about. So metta is the quality of feeling well, sukha, feeling at ease, a sense of well-being. And if we approach this from the point of view of of an activity, something that we're going to do to ourselves or to others, often it it gets blocked at the start um, because we can't always conjure up emotional states or we don't feel it's very authentic to. Or sometimes it's when one is in one's least state of well-being, one is actually most in need of it. And then you can't just kind of conjure it up. So these practices have to be recognized as as Dhamma practices. Practice of Dhamma is something that we first of all receive it. We don't do it because we don't know what it is. We have to receive it first of all. We have to receive it. And so we put ourselves in a position or state to receive that. Just as any other kind of meditation, we get the body into a position in a way where it can receive some calm. We set up a situation where we can focus. And then we we pick up that, the tranquility of the body, the focusness of having silence. So with metta, this is, uh, you open up to that possibility. So this is, we recognize anything that gives rise to that. can be, often it's the case it's a a person who we feel admiration for, makes us feel uh, that there is well-being extended towards us. It can be the Buddha, but for many people, Buddha is rather remote. it can be the Buddha. One can, if one's quality is a practice of Buddha Nusati, recollection of the Buddha is strong enough, then we can receive that. This is, of course, 
great benefit because Buddha is a constant, constant quality. So in everything, if we receive that from this recollection of the Buddha, then you've got something that doesn't change. It's a kind of continual thing, and it ties into so much of the rest of one's practice. But it may be a teacher, Dhamma teacher, spiritual friend, a relative, and or just an ordinary friend, someone that gives one the feeling of receiving their kindness or their good intention. So if you remember, recollect, bring into mind, Notice any feeling, mood that arises on that. Maybe just a momentary uplift or clearing or sense of delight or, or calming. Just notice the mood. If it's momentary, then we just go back and pick it up, pick it up again like any other meditation topic, you keep recollecting it, bringing it back. And also just letting yourself feel it. If it's subtle, let it be subtle. If it doesn't have to be passionate or that uh, deeply felt, just perhaps a sense of calming or peacefulness. Or that any negativity or irritation or depression that we are feeling is perhaps abated or allayed, even temporarily. Recognition that we can be we can be loved. We can be we are, we are someone who can receive and it does receive a kindness of others and uh, certainly living a holy life it's easy one turns one's mind to it to recognize the enormous uh, continual acts of kindness that make this life possible for us this is one of the great advantages of it you can tap in to a source of metta, just by being a someone who is a supported physically and spiritually.
practice, you can see the um, the incident or the event that brings around that feeling, and then uh, the feeling itself. And you focus just on the on the feeling or the the uh, mood. We, if we consider the person or the event, then we tend to get into thinking and wandering and uh, localizing it. So then one can even miss the person or or think or, or rationalize it or goes goes off a bit. Let's go back to the mood. And see, as you develop it, see if you can abide in that mood. Let the sensitivity of the mind, the citta, rest or resonate to that mood. the overall tone becomes one of well-being just feeling feeling well The extension and development of this can be directed or not directed. If it's not directed, um, then we'll tend to, say, find that bodily feelings, um, auditory impressions, mental perceptions, arise and if you're continuing the practice without particularly directing it then just whatever arises is received 
by that in within that mood. So it's rather if we focus on the mood, the mood becomes something like a the surface of a lake, and then these various things drop into it and create certain ripples. But then the lake always settles back again. We don't, we're able through practicing this focusing to cut off the root whereby the mind moves into ill will, aversion, hardness. not a matter of saying that the unpleasant shouldn't occur, but that one finds a, a place or a base in the mind which is strong enough to not move into that agitation, or that stiffness of aversion. or defensiveness. And the practice is more deliberately directed. It may be in some ways easier. And that you you can do it systematically and you can um, choose objects which are easier and gradually move towards things that are more um, agitating or difficult. The general recollection 
is that all, all beings seek well-being from the, any animal or even plants seek that which is nourishing which supports them this is a, so a universal quality of sentiency being alive it's, it's a dhamma it's a universal thing it's a dhamma So as we recognize that then and that we are we can feel that and we can recognize that wish in others then there's kind of natural recognition, inclination of how how valuable, how immediate it can be to send that forth never wasted all creatures appreciate it seek it we may begin with um, people humans and people who are close to us physically or close to us psychologically emotionally where there may be a natural sense of kinship so we we naturally feel that that sense of um, connection anyway as we already wish well to feel grateful to humans here we've in kind of three positions the the one who looks after you seeks your welfare guide or parent teacher so there's that sense of um, gratitude or trust then there's the companion friend brother, sister feel with a sense of uh, kinship similarity at ease with them enjoy their company the ones we look after children people we teach or feel responsible for there's that sense of caring wishing them well in this way 
the archetypes and then you recognize the actualities and sometimes of course the uh, guide you feel frightened of or they they have too much have too much power over us or we feel that sense of being used you know the friend or the brother sister either can betray us turn against us and that may happen or have happened and this is you know, strong pain of that and the one we look after can of course always you may have found that that being rejected so as you, you cultivate these and these are the kind of uh, possibilities that may occur which either strengthen metta directly or give us something that we have to to work with
cultivation of karuna is similar. Recognition of the uh, suffering. The universal quality to all beings, not just particular events, not just particular kinds of people who may be experiencing dire suffering now, but just that every all creatures do not want pain. They do not want sep- they do not want separation from the love. You do not want to be associated with the disliked. And what is certain is, is that this happens. There's a universal a universal fact when we approach it in this way as a a Dhamma then the pain or disappointment that we may be experiencing the aim of Karuna one result of it is that instead of just going into self-pity or resentment or anger or denial or blaming oneself or blaming others actually approaching it in a more open way where there is there is an experience of compassion so that one's own pain disappointment hurt frustration even one's own ill will towards oneself anger with oneself painfulness is experienced compassionately that is we do not perpetuate it we do not punish and we don't go into the the um, blocking it off either through cynicism or through indifference or through dismissing it you know just shrug it shrug it off so that the heart becomes dismissive or callous if we are not compassionate towards our own pain then this results in a kind of callousness towards ourselves, and this will naturally bring around a callousness towards other peoples the two go together and similarly one is callous to other people's suffering one tends to 
similar attitudes towards one's own, or we go into resentment, rather states of mind that are unsupportive, unskillful. So when uh, we focus on an aspect of suffering in ourselves or in others, the feeling of not wanting, fearing or, or resenting, This is focused on in the way of not creating suffering, and we begin to stop perpetuating. So that what is comes around is something that's more supportive, and patient, and kindly generous protective So we can approach the painfulness of life in a way that we recognize the possibility of this cultivating compassion in us rather than just seeing it all as frustrating, annoying, depressing. But to approach it their own bodily pain, mental pain, or the pain and suffering, death, sorrow of those around us, in the way of Dhamma, where the response is protective, supportive, rather than anxious, or depressed. And the compassion is considered to have failed if it just produces anxiety and sorrow. Its, it's success is it produces this loving patience 
insensitivity. We're ready to experience or we're prepared to look at our own pain in a way that is like learning, taking it on so that we may cultivate that which will be for the welfare of others. 